Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Is there really an afterlife? Can a spirit leave the body before it dies? What's the best way to communicate with a loved one in spirit? Well, on today's show, Medium Hollister Rand is here to share insights and answers to the most common questions about life after death. Are you ready to meet her? Hollister Rand has provided detailed messages from spirits for more than 25 years. She's appeared on a variety of television and radio programs and is the author of I'm Not Dead, I'm Different. Her new book is Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Afraid to Ask. She lives in Los Angeles with her impossibly small chihuahuas, Bodhi and Amara. Find out more about Hollister and her work at HollisterRand.com. Hollister, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, well, thank you so much. There is no fog where I'm sitting right now. I'm in sunny Los Angeles. It is a gorgeous day today. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad to hear that. And because, you know, this show has a strong investigative leaning. How small are those chihuahuas? Impossibly small? impossibly small. <laughs> and just when I thought I couldn't get any smaller, I went from four, four pounds, three and a half pounds down to 1.8 pounds, my newest one full grown at under two pounds. And she is entirely unsocialized. I call her my COVID Kala. Um, she will not let anybody get close. So we're working on her training, but oh my gosh, what a precious little one she is. Oh my goodness, that, I mean, that really is impossibly small. How do you not step on them accidentally? Well, when I first got uh, Bodhi, he was my first, uh, I developed the Chihuahua Shuffle. Um, <laughs> so I literally did not take my feet off the ground for six weeks. And then I realized he was really good at staying out of my way. So they seem to know that just about anything in the world can squash them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's beautiful. You make me want a little dog right about now. Um, the, your new book is called Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Afraid to Ask. And that got me thinking, you know, that's the afterlife is something that we all wonder about, but we kind of discuss it in hushed tones. Why are people afraid to ask? Well, uh, death is really kind of the last taboo. And I find it really interesting that at this point in time, the entire world is thinking about life and death. Mm -hmm. Not in my lifetime has this opportunity to deal with the largest question in life um, ever been on everybody's mind at the same time. Um, and what I have found in my workshops and in my presentations and gallery style events, um, when I had times for, time for questions, a few people would raise their hands and some people would ask two or three questions. And then afterwards, people would come up to me personally and in hushed tones 
ask me very personal questions. And I thought these questions are the best questions of all because they always came with a hint of fear attached mm -hmm. to them. So if someone came up to me after an event and said, what happens to people who commit suicide? I did not have to be psychic to know that they had lost someone from suicide. Yeah. When someone came up to me and said, what happens if my son reincarnates uh, before I get to the afterlife? Will we miss each other? So what I started discovering is that people were presenting their fears in the guise of a question. So I put all of those questions together in this book. Um, and so these were the questions that people really wanted to voice and the same questions that were answered time and time again. And they're broken up into sections, but each question will lead you to a similar question or something along the same topic, almost as an internet search would. Yeah, and it's great fun to read because it's very accessible. And as you say, one question leads to the next, to the next, to the next. We kind of never get to the bottom of this topic. There are always more questions. You mentioned one of my favorite questions from the book. If my loved one in spirit takes another body before I lose this body, does it mean we can never communicate with each other? That is a huge fear. As the understanding um, and the belief around reincarnation has increased in the Western world, that is the question that I get asked. Um, on the other side of the world, in Asia, um, the Near East, the Far East, those questions aren't asked because people from certain cultures and belief systems fully expect their loved ones to show up in their lives again now. What I hear, however, on the Western side of the world is spirits say, I will wait for you. So it's really interesting how culturally um, even the reincarnation experience can be different. So what I will say is no matter which side of the world you're on, you will not miss your loved ones. There will not be a he's here, I'm there. It just doesn't happen that way, no matter what your belief system is, because we are linked. We are in, in unbreakably linked, I guess I would say. And so not to worry, your loved one will be there for you. Is it that when we're in spirit, we exist outside of chronological time, right? Yes, so, yes. So would it be theoretically possible for someone to have already reincarnated and take a new body and taken a new body but also at the same time be able to to communicate with me in a way that i would understand it as receiving from my loved one in spirit there are a lot of things that are possible however as a medium i deal very specifically with um verifiable information that comes i do not so i've never had a spirit say to me I am speaking to you um, and my loved one in spirit, and I have a body um, in Iowa. I have not had a spirit say that to me. So I can't confirm or deny that possibility. But what I can say is what I know. And what's interesting is, well, I had a, a conversation with a lady who called me from India, and I had a man in spirit say, grandfather is here. And I said, 
grandfather is here. And the woman on the phone said, yes, he is. He was born yesterday. <laughs> well, I was completely confused by that. But as I continued speaking, I realized I was speaking to grandfather's brother, a great uncle. And he was the one who said grandfather is here. And I thought he was identifying himself as grandfather. No, he was letting everybody know. Yep, we know grandfather is here on the earth plane with you. Um, conversely, I have not had a loved one in spirit say, I'm speaking to you from spirit, but I'm also incarnate in a different part of the world. So I can't say that can't happen, but I can say it's outside of my personal experience with the spirits. I'm hearing just as I talk to you that your work as a medium sounds to me to be quite frank. And as you say, you are only giving the information that you are receiving. How did you develop this gift? How did you come to know you were a medium? Well, I never considered it a gift. Um, and in fact, it was anything but when I was young. Um, no one understood my sensitivity. And the last thing you want to be as a kid is different. Now, fortunately, these days, kids who are sensitive, because all kids are sensitive, but kids expressing their sensitivity don't run into as much trouble as I did. Um, and I will work with parents who have sensitive children to show them, you know, how to um, support their children. Um, so I do love to teach all of this. So I think mediums are born and they're made. So I was born a medium. I was born uh, sensitive. I was born an empath. I was born connected to spirit. But I also chose to develop it over time. Um, and so now I see it as my job to help people not make the mistakes that I made. Um, I've learned how to do everything wrong. And so now I've also learned how to do things right. And so this way I can move people quickly into that without you know, people stumbling around. Does this work? Does that work? Yeah, we know how to get you connected and get you to stay connected with your loved ones. Do you have communication with your own loved ones in spirit? Yes and no. There's a fail-safe that is built into the universe. And that fail-safe is that mediumship is a work of service, not self-service. Um, and I see this in my classes that I teach. People will often come to a workshop because they want to be more connected with their own loved ones. And inevitably, we get halfway through the workshop and it's like a light goes on because all of a sudden, they are connecting with other people's loved ones. And there's an understanding of, wait, this is so much bigger than I thought. And when we move into service, I mean, that's, that's truly where the joy begins. And it's a reminder too, I think this, at least the way I think about mediumship and our time here on earth, this is about how there is always more available and it's kind of cool to me that you might come to a workshop looking for your own personal communication and find a door opening to you that's so much more. Well, and as about my own loved ones, I definitely feel guided. I feel connected to them. I remember when a friend brought over her newborn baby who was sitting in, you know, one of those chair, you know, car seat chair things, rocker mm -hmm. type things. And the baby sleeping and just enjoying, you know, happy, 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 sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. And I said, my mother loves babies. My mother's in spirit. 
my mother loves babies. Your little boy will not be sleeping for long. And at that moment, his eyes flew open. He started giggling. He started reaching out. I was like, mom's here. <laughs> now, I didn't see her the way I see other people's spirits, but it was just a knowing, you know, and things will happen and I will feel that my, my loved ones are present. And what I also want people to know is just because I am a medium and just because I'm connected to loved ones, um, my own loved ones and guided, it doesn't mean when a loved one dies that I don't feel grief. I remember when someone very, very close to me died and it was a sudden, uh, a sudden passing in a foreign country, no less. Um, and when I was cleaning out his closet, I was standing in the closet with my nose in his clothes. And I thought, I have just become my clients. Mm. I realized, oh my God, when spirit says, you put on my shirt, or you, you, know, you wear my motorcycle jacket, or you sleep with my shirt, or you sleep on my side of the bed, I suddenly got it. I thought, oh my goodness, I know what this means now. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Hollister Rand. Her new book is Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Afraid to Ask. And you can find out more about Hollister and her work at HollisterRand.com. That's H-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-R-A-N-D, HollisterRand.com. What, from your experience or from what you are told, what happens after we pass? Well, there are a lot of similarities, um, and there are tremendous differences. So when people describe their afterlife, a mother who loves flowers may describe her afterlife as a botanical garden full of roses that don't have thorns. Um, and someone who was, you know, a, a poker player here on earth. Um, I remember there was a mother who said she was playing cards and her daughter said, oh yes, she loved to play cards. And her mother said, I hate playing cards here because nobody loses. <laughs> so apparently she always liked to win. And in the afterlife, things are just not win-lose like we think they might be. <laughs> but there are some real similarities um, that at the frequency of love, people look at their lives and um, and visit their lives and their actions um, and how they have wounded people, how they have loved people, um, and really get a very full sense of their lives at the frequency of love so that they are able to look at the difficult things. Um, so there is that, that life review isn't kind of like memories, like the corners of my mind. You know, it's not that kind of, isn't this a nice highlight reel of my life? It really gets down to the nitty gritty of where we have lived love and where we have not, including where we have lived in loving ourselves or not, not just outward love, but where is love in balance and where is it unconditional? Um, so there is that. The one thing I would say is no one dies alone. So you don't suddenly pass and then you're like, well, where am I? What happened? Who, you know, what is this place? Um, and especially in a time when people are dying in a hospital without, or a nursing home without their loved ones able to be with them, um, their loved ones in spirit are with them. 
we are connected to an entire network. Nobody dies alone. Um, so we may feel a loss not being able to be with someone, but please know that loved ones in spirit are present um, and are welcoming people. So it's, it's very much a seamless movement um, and a lifting out of the body with all pain gone. Is that the case for people who pass in a traumatic way through violence or accident? Well, in my first book, I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, Kids and Spirit Teach Us About Living a Better Life on Earth. I found as I was writing that book that I was dealing with every possible way someone can die. And the reason is that most kids uh, die in motion. You know, some, yes, cancer and illness, but for the most part, um, death in a certain demographic is very sudden, often tragic, um, sometimes violent. Um, I have spoken with uh, people who have been, uh, who have passed, uh, a, a father killed his children and then killed himself. Mm. Um, a, uh, a boyfriend killed his ex-girlfriend and, um, and the new boyfriend. Uh, suicides, uh, violent car crashes. So I've spoken with people who have suffered, as we might think, in horrible ways. And what I have discovered in speaking with them is it's not the story we tell ourselves here. There is tremendous grace and healing. I have talked with spirits who were out of their bodies before the crash. Um, never felt a thing. And when I talk with a spirit like that, I can't feel it in my body either. If someone is passed with cancer, I will often feel exhausted. I will feel like my body's getting thin. I will feel pain in an area of my body where the cancer was. When somebody dies very quickly, it's, it's almost as though it's not even registering in the body. The grief that we feel when people pass, does that cloud our ability to communicate with our loved ones who've passed? Or does it, I had somebody ask me the other day if their grief could actually be holding their loved one in spirit with them, could keep their loved one from kind of progressing. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, we can't make the spirits do a darn thing. You know, this is when I was working with lots of kids in spirit, you know, the, you can't make them do anything. You can't make them come. You can't make them go. And I mean, I remember saying to people, you know, were, were you able to make your teenager do anything? Uh, no. So why, how can you possibly think you could hold that person back or make them come? It doesn't work that way. This is a desire of theirs to communicate. They want to be here with us. Um, and we were talking about people being in two places at the same time earlier, you know, on earth or in spirit. Well, in spirit, the spirits are not location-based, so they can be with more than one relative at a time. So you don't have to worry about being a, you know, a, a relative stealer. Well, I've got my son, so his sister doesn't have him, you know, like you have to keep passing him around, you know, like he's a Thanksgiving platter or something. It doesn't work that way. Um, spirits are non-location based. They can be with everyone at the same time. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. I think I got off on a tangent, but I hope that's hopeful to people. 
It is. And I think the question was about whether our, our need, our desire sometimes to kind oh, of grief. Okay. pull our loved ones back. All right. Grief. We were talking about, you were talking about grief. It is not grief that is the issue when it comes to communication. It is grievance. That is the energy that is a challenge for a spirit to navigate. Um, we want to hear from our loved ones. Um, grief, the spirits can move us through grief. But when we keep telling ourselves over and over again, it shouldn't have happened that way. I'm angry. Someone's to blame. There's fault here. Um, when and seeking justice, I have to have justice for, uh, for Darren or something along those lines. Um, the grievance is a very, very dense earth-based energy. That is more challenging. So I suggest that people move into gratitude, not gratitude that their loved one has died, but gratitude that their loved one has lived with them on this earth plane and continues to live. And in gratitude, there is a welcoming energy that the spirits can use to communicate. What can you offer or suggest to listeners who want to be able to communicate with their loved ones in spirit, but don't quite know how, maybe feel a little bit afraid or a little bit awkward? Huh. Well, yeah, awkward. That's an interesting thought. Um, the first thing we have to do is be very present in our bodies. I know that sounds very simplistic, but when I go and do a gallery event, um, and I saw this with events of parents who had lost children. This is where I first started seeing it, where I would have 70, 80, 100, 150 parents who had lost children in a room. And I would look out and I would see these parents not in their bodies, like their energy was, was flying out. And I realized, and I started asking, do you feel like you have to go find your child? Do you have to go find your loved one? And almost always I would hear, yeah, I, where are they? I have to go find them. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say about spirit communication is acknowledging that they're already here and you can be very present in your body because when we are present in our bodies in present time, in the eternal present moment, that is where the spirits can connect with us. Our bodies are our address. That's how they know where to find us. If we're out trying to find them, you know, it just makes it more difficult. You may miss a gentle brush across your cheek. You may miss chills that could indicate that a loved one just walked by. So the first thing I would say is when you wake up in the morning, feel yourself in your body, wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers. You know, I still do this. I've been doing, I've been a medium, uh, a working medium for over 25 years now. I still do this in the morning. And when I sit up and put my feet on the floor by the side of the bed, I sit there and I get myself anchored to the earth. And I know it might feel uncomfortable because, and awkward to be here on the earth when the person we love is no longer here. But in that brief moment of awkwardness, those feelings can begin to change when you are anchored to the earth. And then it allows your loved ones to move in a way that you will notice them when you are fully available. I also teach lots of classes online and things like that. So there are lots of tips also in the book, everything you wanted to know about the afterlife, but we're afraid to ask. But being present in your body is the place to start. 
how do you set boundaries for yourself as a medium? I'll never forget. So I'm a professional intuitive, not a medium. And I remember seeing at a very impressionable age, a TV movie made about the early life of James von Prague. And it was just all like dead people popping out from behind things. And it was kind of an endless barrage of dead people. Is that what it's like? Well, that's what it was like for me uh, when I was young. And it was for a lot of mediums um, because we had no frame of reference and, you know, kids don't necessarily have boundaries. And I didn't have anyone to show me that I didn't have to let these people in. You know, I I had a reaction that was kind of like stranger danger, you know, that kind of thing. Well, what I began to do was align myself at the frequency of love. As soon as I did that, only loving, kind spirits were there. And then began the negotiation. I need to sleep at night. Okay, so that's, that's where we started. You know, don't, don't be showing up and talking to me at three o'clock in the morning. Not happening. So I would set specific times. I created deals with, with the spirits of how I would communicate and when. And, you know, set up ethics about how that would occur. And that was part of the process that I now teach people to do. That's that trial and error thing I was talking about earlier. Um, And this is what I also help parents to do who have sensitive children. Um, Because you wouldn't suggest that your child speak to any stranger on the street. And yet, for some reason, um, there are those who think, well, if, if the person's in spirit, that's a great thing. Not necessarily. You know, it's not always nice to have people showing up in your room in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, you know, we wouldn't do that to a kid on the street, but we seem to think it's okay if it's a spirit person. Not necessarily, unless you know who that spirit person is. And then at the frequency of divine love, spirit communication is one of mutual respect. Can you please let the listeners know how they can connect with you? How can they find out about the classes and workshops that you offer? My website, hollisterrand.com, H-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-R-A-N-D.com, is the portal that will take you to my free email newsletter sign-up, to the classes, um, to events. Um, Everything's online at the moment, um, but that's okay. We're having a heck of a good time with that. Um, And there are private sessions, uh, short ones, long ones, family groups we can get together. I'm a working and accessible medium. Wonderful. Hollister, thank you so much for talking to me. I really loved our conversation. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That is Hollister Rand. Her new book is Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Afraid to Ask. And you can find out more about Hollister. Get on that free email list. Find out about classes and online workshops at HollisterRand.com. That's H-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R. R-A-N-D dot com, HollisterRand.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even sign up for a private session if you are so inclined. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus our intention on positive change, when we join in a collective intention for peace in our hearts and peace in the world, we really can make a difference. If you are aligned with that, 
please check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's a website where you can get information about the free 15-minute monthly guided meditation that my wife and I do every month. And it's also a place where you can stream. There's a blue million guided meditations now available for you on that site. You can stream those at any time you want to hear something positive and align yourself because time and distance are no barrier to energy. Align yourself with that energy of peace in our hearts and peace in the world. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.